my 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 sorry voice and my my mouth so my wife doesn't laugh at me tonight. So let's let's open us up in a word of prayer as we ask the Lord to bless our service because we are in desperate need of Him. Where I should say I am. So let's have us a word of prayer, Father, as we come to you. Lord, you know that I need your help. And Father, you know I need your touch today, and I ask you to be with me. Touch my voice and help me, Lord, to portray the Word of God in such a way that's clear and concise, that glorifies and honors you. And Father, I ask you to please help me. Help me to preach with power from on high through the power of the Spirit. And uh, Lord, help me to glorify you. And I thank you, I'm praising you, and I'm asking it in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you find yourself in Philippians 4... Save you. Philippians chapter number four. What we find is there's an interesting statement that I'm going to make. And what I want to do before we begin, how many people would say that they know what the greatest commodity in 2020 is? Now, if you ask the crazies out there, it would be toilet paper. I'm telling you, I told my wife, that's like gold. You got to get it while you can, or at least you had to at the beginning of the year. People have kind of calmed down a little bit, unless you already had a stockpile. And for some people, I mean, we, we laugh and joke, but the funny thing is, to some people, uh, toilet paper was one of the greatest commodities, it seems, of 2020. Now, for some people, the greatest commodity would be uh, food, it would be shelter, it would be clothing, it would be a car, it would be all these other things. And you know, so often, I believe that we, we take for granted the, the subject I'm going to speak on, but I believe in 2020, specifically... When November 3rd, just around the corner, I believe this commodity is something that we all need to take and get a dose of and, and realize it's for you and I that are believers today. And the commodity is actually peace. I mean, very simply put, Pastor Mike was teaching uh, Sunday school and I was thinking, man, he's, he's actually talking about what I'm planning on preaching on this evening but it deals with the subject of peace. Now, you know what's interesting? In our, uh, in our area we're going to be in this evening, there are two words I'm going to draw your attention to. The first word is going to be the word careful. And if you want to circle it, you can. And the second word I want to draw your attention to is the word peace. Now, now this is the idea I'm trying to get across, is how can we get from careful, and that just simply means anxious, worry. How can we get from a worry wart? all the way to the peace that God has for us that passes all understanding. Now, if you're like Brother Danny, you just pull out your wallet and you just pay for it. Now, <laughs> no, I'm only kidding you. But what we find is, is that God's peace is available today. And you know something, what I find is that what we look in the word of, when we look in the Word of God, we find that God's uh, man was preaching to this church about the subject of peace. And what he says unto them is actually found, excuse me, in Philippians chapter number four, verse number six and seven is where we're going to be this evening. So let's begin reading in verse number six. Now notice I told you there are two words, Philippians four, beginning in verse number six. Be careful, that's our first word, for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God and the peace, that's our second word, of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, I want to ask you a question this evening. Do you desire God's peace in your life? I mean, if you take, for instance, my own being, I look at the election and I think, okay, Lord, what's going to happen if, if 
if, if the candidate that I don't pick comes into office, how can I handle this? And my mind, just to be honest with you, in some cases wants to maybe wander off and worry a little bit. Or maybe it's something else that it, it could be that you're worrying about. Maybe it could be your health situation. Maybe uh, your, uh, a situation with a child or whatever it is. You know what's interesting? We all, I believe, in one point of our life worry about something. Now to you, it may not be something to me. And I may look at it thinking, my soul, what are you worrying about? That's nothing to worry about. But to you, it's something. And I believe this, that God has something for us to help us combat this peace, combat worry in our life, and access God's peace for us. And so what we find is, is that when we look in the Word of God, God has a clear instruction for us to help us how to get there. So how can you and I have peace? How can we obtain God's peace? And it's very simply put, but I want you to notice, first of all, number one, if we will have God's peace in our life, number one, we need to notice we need to have the right perspective when it comes to worry. And by that I'm saying this, how often do you worry about something? And I, I, God bless my grandmother's soul, she worries with the best of them. And it passed down to me. And In fact, I worry about different things that my wife doesn't worry about. And uh, I'll maybe share uh, something a, a little later about that I worried, and I thought it was a little funny looking back on it now. But my grandmother... She worries about her grandchildren. I got some, some cousins and different things that are out in the world. And, and she constantly worries. And I said, Grandma, you need to not worry about that. Take it to Jesus. Pray, pray for him. Pray over it. Be, be, be a person that doesn't worry. And she says, well, you know. And so what I find is the Word of God says, be careful for nothing. Literally, think of it like this. Do not worry about anything. And I'm afraid we'll never understand the peace of God and we'll never understand God's peace that He has for us and we'll never truly understand it until we understand having, we need to have the right perspective. Is worry something I can have in my life? Is it, is it something that will hurt me or help me? Is it something that is okay if I worry? I mean, is it okay if I worry if I go to a doctor and this doctor tells me I've got cancer that's... It's terminal. Is it okay if I worry, if I think about I've lost my job, I've lost my house, can I worry then? Is it okay to worry? Is there certain times in my life when it is okay to worry? Is God okay with worrying? You know, the answer is very simply put, absolutely not. You know what we find in verse number 6 is, is it says, be careful for nothing. Literally, do not worry about anything. Now, now, for you, you need to put in there whatever it is that you're worrying about and say, God, you don't want me to worry about this right here. You don't want me to worry about that right there. And the way we start with on the, the road to God's peace is understanding whatever I'm worrying about, it does not need to be in my life. I don't need to worry about that. I need to put that out of my life. I need to understand. And so I need to ask myself the question, what is worry? Have you ever wondered about the, the, the idea of worry? You know what's interesting about our language is our language has roots, and, and it, it finds roots in uh, certain things in our world and certain other words and, and pictures. And I want to tell you something about worry. See, worry is an interesting word because it finds root in an old English word, and it gives you a very devastating picture, in fact. 
And in fact, this old English word that was used, it was used of uh, wolves that would go out and prey on sheep. And as the wolves would go out and prey on the sheep, it would find the prey that it would want to prey on. And as it would grab that lamb or that sheep, it would grab it ferociously by the neck and it would literally choke the life out of the wolf. Now, I'm sorry for the animal lovers, but that's what the picture is. See, the picture is this right here. The wolf choked the life out of the sheep. And let me tell you, worry is pictured that way. That's where it comes from. It literally means to strangle, to, to choke the life out of you. How many of you can testify this evening what you've worried about literally has taken your breath? It's taken your life, it seems like. You can't move forward. You can't eat. You can't sleep. You can't do anything. It's got a hold of you. See, that's what worry is. And God says, look, you don't need to worry about anything because it's not healthy for you. You know, even scientists even claim that worry can literally take your life and it can hurt your health and it's not good for you in any way so what we need to understand is is worry is something that does not need to be in our life because i want you to understand this worry is a byproduct of fear and see what we find is is fear is a polar opposite of faith and let me tell you and remind you what romans 14 i believe it's verse number 22 says this that whatsoever is not of faith it is sin and so whatsoever is not of faith, it is sin. So let's understand it this way. That if faith is absent in my life, then guess what? Sin is present in my life. And so what we find is, is when fear is in my life, it's showing forth that I have a lack of faith. See, when I'm afraid, when I fear, guess what happens? I say, God, I don't trust you to provide for me. I don't trust you to take care of me. I don't trust you to keep me safe. I don't trust you because what I'm saying is, is Lord, my fear is greater than you and what you can do. And so that's what we need to understand. It shows that. And 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. So what we need to understand is, is the way that we combat fear is by faith. And it's having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what we need to understand is that he's trying to drive home this right here. Even Revelation 21 verse 8 says this. But the fearful, he starts off, the first thing he says is the fearful. The, the, the byproduct of people that are lost, that have no relationship excuse me, with Jesus Christ, and unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. See, what you find is those that are heading to a, a place that are eternally separated from God in the lake of fire, he started off with fearful and unbelievers. You know, those are the people, as I said, that don't demonstrate that they trust God because they have no relationship with Him. They have no way to put faith in Him because they don't believe in Him. They don't trust Him. And it just goes forth to show that. And so my question is, after we understand what is worry, then, then why shouldn't I worry? How about just very simply, we can keep it simple. I'm, I'm a simple type of person. I, I don't like the idea of going too deep because this mind can only go so deep. Literally about that deep. And so what we find is, is he says literally, be careful for nothing. It, it gives you the idea it's a command. You can keep it at that. If you have no other reason why God says not to worry, how about this? Just let it sink in your mind. God says do not worry 
about anything. And so the way that I understand that I can have God's peace is when worry comes in my life, I say, God, your word teaches me not to worry about anything. And you know this situation right here that I'm worrying about, you're telling me not to worry, so I'm not going to worry. Isn't that simple if we would just keep it that simple? Now, our minds complex things much more than that, but what we find is, is we need to understand this, that God commands us not to worry about anything, but understand the Almighty God in heaven can take care of us, He can provide for us, and He can help us in all of those things. So, number one, the way we have God's peace is by having a right perspective. Us seeing what worry truly is. It's sin. Moms, it's sin. Dads, it's sin. Grandparents, it's sin. Church members, it is sin. When you worry, understand, mark it down, write it in a book, it is sin. And the only way you see that is having the right perspective, seeing it through the lens of God. And that's in the Word of God. And so number two, what we need to understand is we need to respond with prayer. You know what we find is, is that when I'm worrying about something, the way that I understand I can have God's peace is have the right perspective, understanding that, that this thing I'm worrying about is sin. I need to not worry about anything. Literally, that word, as I said, careful means to be anxious, to worry. And God says the way that we do it, be careful for nothing but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You know what's wrapped up in that verse? It's very simple. It's actually what you have right here. It's prayer. I mean, that's what it is. It is literally flowing with truth about prayer. He says, be careful for nothing. But the contrast, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And so what we find is is that we have, and I'm telling you, I didn't write this after, I wasn't just picking it off of what he said, but we have, in Sunday school, it just seems like we're copying each other, or I copied him, I plagiarized. It says, um, we have access to God in prayer. Now this is amazing, because I want you to think about it like this. When you worry about something, or let me say it like this, when the people in this world worry, you know what they do, a lot of them? They run to a liquor bottle and they pull a liquor bottle out and they, they chug it. They, they, that's how they deal with their worries. There's people that run to drugs, they run to alcohol, they want to run to pornography, they run to immorality, they run to gambling, they run to all of these different outlets. And so what they're trying to do is they're trying to feel... That void in their heart, they're trying to cover it up, they're trying to sear their conscience, they're trying not to deal with it, or they're trying to deal with it the world's way. And it doesn't help. See, God says, be careful for nothing. Literally, nothing in our lives we need to worry about. But on the contrary, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You know what's interesting about this is think of it like this. We have a great privilege, and that privilege is so neglected so often in our lives, and it's the privilege of prayer. You know what's amazing? He breaks it down like this. Prayer is broken down in that verse by prayer, supplication, and I even see request in there as well. And then the idea you can even throw thanksgiving. 
And so I want you to think of it like this. I want to just really focus on three. The idea of prayer, it gives you this idea. But in everything by prayer. So the, the idea of prayer is, is when worry comes into my life, what I do is I make the conscious effort, okay, worry's coming into my life, guess what I'm doing? I'm taking this worry, and I can either go to the world and all of the outlets, I can go to my grandma, I can go to my wife, I can go to all these people, those people aren't bad, but you know what's the privilege we have? The access to a heavenly Father who says, cast all of your care upon Him, for He careth for you. And so what we find is, is that when we understand by prayer means to literally enter into the presence of God. That's the, that's the idea he's trying, to under, he's trying to lay down the groundwork that when we worry, we are to go into the very presence of God with it. You know, there's something that maybe you're worrying about and you maybe went everywhere but to God. As I said this morning, so often we treat God like a last resort instead of a first response. We need to go to God and take it to Him in prayer, entering into His presence. And you know the beauty of it is that God is waiting to help you. What did Jeremiah hear from the voice of God? Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You know what? God had a hand out ready to help, an ear open to hear, an eye upon His person that belonged to Him. He was ready to move in and to help that dear man in that place of uh, uh, hardship. And let me say to you, what we need to do is take and just, let me just say Hebrews 4.16, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews 10, I'm telling you, it looks like I copied you. <laughs> Hebrews 10.19 that we have, therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. I want to ask you, how much have you taken to God? How often do you take it to God in prayer? When do you take it to the Lord in prayer? Because when worry comes in your life, we should make a beeline to Jesus. I mean, we should go there. We have a great privilege that is so neglected. I believe churches are dying and powerless because of a lack of prayer. And so what we find is, is this idea about prayer. He says, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. This idea of supplication, it gives the idea of pleading or entreating with God. I mean, it literally gives you the idea to beg. I mean, that's what it is. It, the idea of entreating with God because of your need or want. So not only are you begging you're pleading, but you're begging and you're pleading because you're saying, God, this old boy right here has nothing. I can do nothing. I need you in this hour in which I live. I, God, cannot go any longer. I can't make it. I'm worrying over this. And so what you're doing is, is you're going with a heart opened up to God and saying, Lord, I just can't. The easy way to, to illustrate it is just imagine just for a moment that supplication gives you the idea of, of passion. It gives you the idea of taking your passions to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I like to see things because it helps me. I, I feel like a picture is worth a thousand words. Amen. And so what we find is, what's your name? I never got you. Ethan, will you hold your right hand out? Are you right-handed or left-handed? All right. Don't drop it. You just got to hold it straight out. And so the idea 
is, is that so often in our lives, what we do is we hold on to our weights. We, we, we hold on to them. Now, now, he can hold that probably for a pretty long time. He looks fairly strong and able to handle that. But I'm telling you, if he holds that till I'm done preaching, his arm's going to be sore. And you know what we do in prayer so often, or I should say what we sometimes don't do, is we don't take the things that we're burdened about, that we're passionate about, we don't take them to God in prayer and lay them on Him. We hold on to them. And this idea of supplication is taking your weights, your burdens, and you put them on Jesus. And you take them burdens and you take them off of you and lay them on Him who is able, who can take those loads, and He can help you. But so often we feel like we've got to bear that load. Or we put them on our poor spouse or our children or whoever else it is. And you know what? Thank you, sir. I appreciate that, Ethan. That was heavy, wasn't it? After a while. It was getting a little heavy. And you know something? God never intends for anybody to hold that way. He wants us to go into His presence, enter into His presence, and to take our load, our cares, our everything to the Lord in prayer. Because He loves us, He cares for us, and He wants to help us. And He even says, and let your requests. You know what I think of? This is how I think of it. Prayer entering into the presence of God. Supplication going further than just going into God's presence, but being passionate about it. Pleading with God. Understanding that you have need and He can feel that need. He can help you in your hour. And I think of a request is the idea of us going to God with aim. I mean, literally, you're aiming at something. It's the idea if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. <laughs> when we go to God in prayer, what we need to do is go as marksmen or marks ladies. That's not really a term, but I figured I'd include you in there. Is the idea of when I go to God in prayer, I'm going and I'm aiming at something. Lord, I'm, I'm worrying over my little girl. I'm worrying that she's uh she's only going to love my mom uh, my my wife and not me. Yeah, that's something silly, but maybe you are really worrying about something. And the idea is that when you go to prayer, and let me can I say this? You don't have to get on your knees every time you pray. You don't have to get on your face every time you pray. You can sit and pray to God. Isn't that amazing? And you know something? When you're praying to God and you're talking to Him, you can go into His presence. You can take your weights, your load, your everything to God in prayer. And you can take it a step further and say, Lord, this right here is something I'm worrying about. I can't do it. It's hurting. It's, it's hurting my relationship with you. It's something I, I just can't handle. I cannot deal with this right here. And you know what you're doing? You're being honest with God. You're being honest with yourself. And you are aiming at something. Putting your hand on something. Request is you aiming specifically. And we need to go to God and aim directly at something. So, with all of that being said, we find that we have access to God in prayer. But I want you to notice number two. So often, this is our prayers. I want you to read it with me. Tell me what I miss. Or tell me what I forget. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. So often, that's our prayers. God, this is what I need. God, I, I need you to do this. We, we think of God, excuse me, like Santa Claus. 
He's going to fill all my shopping list. He's going to give me all that I need. He's going to do all of this and that. And we forget to realize that God has done so much for us and He's been so good to us and we forget to have an attitude of prayer. The attitude of prayer. See, we have access to God in prayer, but there's an attitude that needs to be involved in prayer. And it's the attitude of gratitude. Lord, thank You for what You've done for me. I tell you what, we all, if we're saved by the amazing grace of God, we can be thankful for one thing this evening. Maybe it's not easy for you, but if you sit and just think for a moment, a padded pew. Me and my wife have been fortunate to travel to certain places, and that right there is something you can't even experience in some churches, or AC, or heat, or electronics. If you've got a house that, that, that covers your head, if you've got clothes, I look out here today and praise, it, praise, uh, praise the Lord. Everybody's got clothes on, so we can thank the Lord for our clothes. I believe everybody's got shoes. Even my little daughter, she kicks them off sometimes. She's a little heathen. And so what we find is, is that we can all thank the Lord for something. And so what he says is, is this right here. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. I believe it's twofold that he's talking about. I believe that we need to understand that when we ask God for something, to thank Him for it in advance because God's going to answer it. He's going to help us if it's according to His will. But I do believe also He's trying to gear their minds to say, you know what, instead of you worrying, you need to learn to be thankful. Because think of it like this, worrying is being selfish because you're focusing on yourself. Lord, I'm worrying about this. Lord, I'm, I can't do this. Lord, I can't think of that. Ah, 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 ah. And you know what Thanksgiving does? An attitude of gratitude does. It puts the attention off of you and on Him. And you say, Lord, I thank You for what You've done for me. I was thinking last night as I was thinking about my family and everything, I was thinking, Lord, I take for granted so many things that You've blessed me with. I thank You for my child, my, my wife, our home, all that You've done. And I was just sitting, and it was so easy to sit back and thank the Lord for what He's done for me. I want you to do something with me. Think of it like a Bible study. Hold your place right here. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I want you to see this. And actually, you can hold it right there. We'll be here in just a minute. Notice what the Word of God says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You know what God's will is for a Christian's life? In everything. Doesn't that sound similar to what we find in Philippians? In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. See, God's will for you this evening is to learn to be thankful. To learn to have an attitude of gratitude saying, Lord, thank you for all that you've done. And so what we need to understand is the access we have to God in prayer. Number two, we find that we need to have an attitude of gratitude while we pray and number three, this is probably the most difficult one. How often do you treat prayer when you pray like a uh, religious deed? You wake up, you pray, or you say a little prayer. You bow your head over your food, you say a little prayer. You go, uh, maybe before you go to bed, you say a little prayer. And so often, that's, that's what people think of prayer. They, they think of prayer in this idea right here. I'm going to bow my head. Dear Lord, I thank you for all that you've done for me. Thank you for my family. Thank you for this food. Lord, I ask you to please help me be with me today. Amen. 
And that's what people think. It's moments of the day where you think, okay, I've got it in the morning, the evening, and then I'll wake up at midnight because I'm really spiritual and do it that way. And so that's how we think of prayer. But I want you to notice something. Turn back to Philippians 4, verse 6. You know what's interesting? These little words even have a meaning. Because notice, be careful for nothing, but notice the next word, in everything. By prayer and supplication. That's a little prepositional phrase. And simply what he's trying to say is in everything. See, prayer needs to, number three, have an atmosphere. Number three, we need to learn to have an atmosphere of prayer. Literally living in a bubble of prayer. When you walk into this world, we need to understand that the Christian cannot, he can't or she can't survive nor thrive without prayer. And it's not you praying in the morning nor in the evening. It's us going through life living in an atmosphere of prayer. I think she said amen. And so what we find is, is that what he's saying is, is in everything. You know what 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says? That same passage we were just in. Pray without ceasing. That means if you're not on the altar 24-7 skipping meals, praying all day, all night, then you ain't right with God. No, that ain't what it means. It just means that you and I bow our hearts before a God in heaven and realize that we need to live in the presence of God, practicing the presence of God, talking to Him and communing with Him on a daily basis. How many people, let me ask you this, thinking about the presence of God, how many people drive differently when they see a police officer around them? <laughs> My wife thinks I freeze up like a little deer in headlights. I just slow down. (laughs) I go like 25 under. And you know something? If we would live like that, that Jesus Christ is with us everywhere we go, it would help us in life. Because when I go through life, just think of it like this, that I'm walking through life and I'm not taking a step without Jesus. And I'm talking to Him everywhere I go. I'm driving in my car. I can be talking to my Savior. I'm going to work, I could be talking to my Savior. I, I go through life, I'm eating my meal, I'm talking to my Savior. And you know something, it doesn't have to be out loud. People don't have to look at you and say, my soul, Danny, you've lost your mind. Who are you talking to? Now, he may not care, but and it doesn't matter what people think, but I'm just saying, you can pray in your heart, wherever you're at. The idea and the truth that we need to put in our heart and our mind is this, we need to live in a bubble of prayer. Wherever we go and whatever we do. And you know what's amazing? Whatever comes our way, it doesn't surprise us because we realize Jesus is with us wherever we're at in whatever walk of life we're in. Our Savior is right there with us. And so what I find is, is He says unto them that we need to literally practice the presence of God praying in a daily, constant state Talking to our Savior. And so what we find, verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You know what's amazing? That when you put that to practice, so when you have a right perspective of worry, and you respond with prayer, number three, the product is promised, which is peace. God promises us that we can experience His peace. Very simply put. And in fact, I'm going to show you a threefold promise. 
And also, I'm going to show you a test we can take to see if we have God's peace in our life when we worry. Notice the, the product, which is God's peace, is promised in verse number 7. It says, and, the, the connection from 6 and 7 is, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so what I find is, is that God's peace is promised to us when we talk to Him and we reach up to Him and reach out to Him and we say, Lord, I need Your peace in my life. And it says that it passes all understanding and it keeps our hearts and our minds. So the first promise that I find that we can cling to that will show if I have the peace of God and will help me obtain God's peace, see, this helps us as well, is number one about God's promised peace is this right here. It says that it passeth all understanding. Now, I want to take just that first word, that passeth. It's actually an interesting word. It literally means to rise above, to be superior. You know what God's Word is trying to teach? That first promise that God has for us is that His peace passes all things. And how often do we worry about something? We worry about a payment. We worry about a job. We worry about a sickness, an ailment. We worry about this or that. And you know what we worry about? Things on this side. Things in this world. And we realize there's a God in heaven who's seated upon His throne and we forget that He is above all things, who is the potentate, who is the sovereign, who sits upon high, the Almighty God, the One that is the I Am, nor the I Was. He was not any of those things. He is the Almighty God. And we need to realize that God's peace is something that passeth all understanding. See, the idea of it passing, it rises above. See, it rises above whatever you worry about. You say you're worrying about this. You know God's peace is greater than anything we can worry about. God's peace is greater than anything we ever face. It even passeth all understanding. That idea of all understanding, people look at you like you've lost your mind. I'll give you an example. I was in Kenya um, about four or five years ago, it was right before I got married, or my wife and I started dating. And as I was in Kenya, um, just to know me a little bit, I, I have a tendency to maybe be a little bit of a hypochondriac, if you know what that is. I, I think that I'm always sick and I'm not sick or whatever, or I'm going to die. But anyhow, as I was in Kenya, I was sitting over there, and we spent a month and a half in Kenya. And uh, when we were in Kenya in a month and a half, that's a long time to be away. I mean, I was when I was in the military, but we had certain accommodations, and, and I just, I don't know, I was wired up differently. And so when we were over there, it was me, Brother TJ, and then another fellow, Brother Shane. And as we were overseas, and, and me and Shane were in a distant village, and it was just he and I, I got to looking at these sugar canes and all these other things. I was thinking, man, I'd like to try that right there. I'd, I'd really like to eat that, but I said, I just don't have the courage to eat it because I know just as soon as I eat it, I'm going to get malaria, typhoid, I'm going to go blind, I'm going to die, something like that. I'm never going to get married. All of these things started rushing to my mind. And I saw Shane coming up one day with a bag. I said, what do you have in your hand? He said, I've got sugar cane. And I was thinking, what are you doing? Are you eating that? We would go anywhere and everywhere, and the man would eat anything. And I was thinking, how in the world do you eat that? Not afraid. He said, oh, I pray over it. It'll be okay. 
And I'm not kidding you, I was wondering, you know something, as silly as that seems, the man knew God's peace, because God's peace was greater than anything he could face, as silly as it seemed, and God's peace passed all understanding to where I'd look at him and say, he has lost his mind, somebody help him. And you know what we find is, is that his peace that God gives is truly this right here. See, God's peace that he promises it passeth all understanding and it keeps our hearts and minds. You know, two areas, and this is where I'll get ready and close with, two areas that get attacked when we worry. You know what those two areas are? Our heart and our mind. Our heart speaks of our emotions, but it also can mean our will. Our minds, are. Uh, it speaks of just simply our thoughts. And did you know, and you can probably testify, that when you worry, your mind starts to race, your emotions get out of whack, and even your will goes contrary to the Lord that wants you to go with Him. And you know what we find? Is that when I need God's peace in my life, it says He keeps, He, he, he protects. That word keep is a word that is a military word. It means to garrison. When I was stationed in the military out in Fort Carson, Colorado, what we would find is, is there was a checkpoint all the way around that base. You had to go through the military's checkpoints, and what you were doing, you were saying, I'm giving you the right to govern me, and I will abide to your rules because this is your land. And that's how it works. The military polices their area. They govern their land. Not the outside, but that is their land. And what you find is, is this word that Jesus was using is this right here. This is the beautiful thing. He says, when I give you my peace, the Prince of Peace gives us his peace. He says, I'm going to set up a guard around two areas of your life, your heart and your mind. And I'm telling you, when the Almighty puts up a guard, nothing or no one can break through or get in and nothing can hurt us. And that's amazing to think about it when we look at it like that, that his idea of keeping is something that we need in our lives. When you're laying your head down worrying, you say, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do it. You're not eating because you're worrying, and you're saying, God, I just don't have an appetite. You're going contrary to where God wants you to go, and you're saying, God, I want to walk with you, but I can't right now because I'm, I'm out of your will right now. My will is not in line with you. And what you find is, is when God's peace is not present in our lives, what we find is, is this right here, that we have not that protection that we need. We need God's protection to guard us, to help us in those times. And it's just very simple to know if I have God's peace. Is my mind racing and running to and fro, thinking of scenarios? Isn't it amazing? I can think about I got sick when I was in Kenya. Go, go figure. And... Um, I thought I was going to die. I really did. Just like I thought I was going to die this year when I got the flu or whatever I got. It just seems like every time I get sick, I think I'm going to die. And so one day I'm afraid it may actually happen. And so what we find is, is my mind began to race. My emotions began to race. And I showed that God's peace was not in my life. And so it shows that what we need to understand is, is that is a way of checking to see if I have God's peace. Now, I'll give you an illustration. I'll give you actually maybe two of them. I'm going to give you one. Turn your Bibles to 1 Kings 19. We're actually going to uh, we'll stay in this passage, so you don't have to turn back there. I'll show you something as we look at the illustration I'm trying to drive home. 1 Kings 19. 
How many people have ever heard about the prophet Elijah? One of my favorite preachers in all the Bible. He comes all out of the nowhere and he, he goes and leaves, it seems, out of nowhere. But he's an interesting fella. He sees God do great miracles. And in fact, he just seen a revival happen in the nation of Israel. The people of God who were in apostasy that had turned their back on God, forsaken Him, they seen a miracle happen. And that fire fell from heaven, consumed the altar, and they said, the Lord, He is the God. Jehovah, He is the God, is the idea. And what we find is, is 1 Kings 19 kicks off. 1 Kings 19, Ahab goes back to his wife Jezebel, and she gives word that this man has done all of these things. And you know what happens? This lady Jezebel is a lady that hated God and she hated God's man. And what she does, she sends word out to him. In fact, I'll, I'll begin reading verse number 1. It says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not my life, excuse me, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. What she's basically saying, Elijah, you're a dead man. Now, my wife and I learned a, a little. Interesting stat when we were taking a class, a concealed carry class, 98% of women, when they pull a firearm, they will use it. So just remember that. So she was promising death upon him, so she probably meant it. And it says, verse number uh, 3, it says, And when he, say it with me, saw that. You know what? How did he see something that hadn't taken place yet? He didn't see it. In his mind he saw it. And notice what happened. So his mind is racing. He's racing for the fences. He's saying, I saw it. I, I, I'm thinking about it. Notice he arose and what happened? His will went contrary to God. He went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left. He even left his servant there. He left him all by himself. Verse number four. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. Here's his emotions about to get out of whack. And he requested for himself that he might die. And said, it is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I'm not better than my father's. You see right there, his mind raced when he worried. His will went contrary to God's. And his emotions were all tore up. He said, Lord, just kill me. That's what worry can do. And that shows that he had not God's peace. And what we need to understand is, is actually what's amazing. God does restore him. God speaks to him in an amazing way. A still, small voice. And you know what? I was going to give you another illustration, but we'll just close it with this. I want you to think about it like this. How many of you desire God's peace? Now, November 3rd comes just around the corner. Now, for some people, that's a day of judgment. Let's not think of it like that. Let's remind ourselves that God's peace is greater than anything that we see, whether it be elections, whether it be a, a diagnosis, whether it be a lost loved one, whatever it is, God's peace is something that we can understand is greater than anything we can get of this world. It is something we need. And what we need to understand is, is what we, when we worry, we need to identify it as sin, that it's worry, and say it doesn't need to be in my life, Lord, because Your Word commands me not to worry. And what we need to do is take that right there and soar above it by going to the throne of God and talking to the Prince of Peace. And His name is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who gives me His peace, who is peace. 
And what I find is, is when I go to the Prince of Peace and bear my burden to Him, He helps me in my time of need. I think about the psalmist and what time I am afraid, I will trust in Thee. You know what we need to do maybe this evening is take our burdens, our cares, our everything to our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And ask Him to give us His peace to help us in this hour and to speak to us and help us in whatever we're facing as we stand to our feet. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you something. Do you have God's peace this morning, this evening? This morning never existed. I'm going to hypnotize you and make you forget it. (laughs) And so as we think about it this evening, is there any way we can have some soft music play? And I just want us to do something. I, I, I think about this message, and I believe that it's something we need to meditate on, at least in my life, because I know that the way that 2020 is going, it just seems like that worry has been something very present in my life. It's something that I have had in my life so often, whether it be because of this pandemic, whether it be these rioters, whether it be all of these things. All I want to do, it seems like in my flesh, is worry. And you know what? God doesn't want us to worry. So as the the piano softly plays, make an altar where you're at. Come forward. However God leads you, let's do business with the Lord this evening. Let's ask Him.